Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Voices of the Community, an Indie Star podcast where we feature people who impact the city of Indianapolis and or our state of Indiana. My guest for this episode is Eunice Trotter. Trotter is a former journalist getting her start at the Indianapolis Recorder. She was owner and publisher of the Recorder from 1987 to 1991. She was also the first black editor at the Indianapolis Star. And she's worked at other newspapers in various parts of the country. She was inducted into the Indiana Journalism Hall of Fame in 2017. After she retired, and I put that in quotes from journalism, Trotter, who was also a genealogist, published a book in 2021, Black in Indiana, about the life of her great-great-great-grandmother, Mary Bateman Clark, who won a lawsuit that outlawed indentured servitude in Indiana. An historical marker was placed at Vincennes at the courthouse, and we'll get into that a little bit later, and how Eunice helped that to uh, happen. And that, so that brings us to why we're talking to Eunice today. Her love of genealogy has started her on a new journey in her professional life. That's why I put retired in quotation marks. <laughs> She's far from retired. She became the first director of the newly created Black Heritage Preservation Program at Indiana Landmarks, her first day on the job was September 1. Eunice, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you for you having so me Thank you so much here. for joining me. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. To learn so much. First, tell me about your new position and why you became interested in this kind of work, which you still consider storytelling. Yes, this, is, this has been my hobby. And uh, as the, uh, the, the inaugural director of this program, I am charged with structuring a statewide uh, charge of preserving and telling the stories of African-American heritage throughout Indiana. And uh, yeah, September 1st was my first day on the job officially, but I've kind of been at it before then, just just learning about this this whole area, this whole industry. It's, uh, it's really sort of akin to, like you said, being an archaeologist, except instead of digging up bones, we're digging up history. And then once we find that history, then we are finding ways to preserve and remember that history, particularly in the cases of no longer existent or extant uh, physical spaces, Mm -hmm. places, buildings, cemeteries. Mm -hmm. These things, you know, have been demolished over over the generations. So there's very little evidence of those contributions of African Americans in Indiana and across the country. Now, you said you got into, like, the political side of preservation with um, with your great-great-great-grandmother's uh, historical marker. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? Well, yeah. Um, when you are um, preserving heritage, particularly as it relates to African Americans, there could be some pushback. But most importantly, there has to be a collective 
a, uh, a widespread effort to get this preservation done. So, for example, in Knox County, Indiana, when I was seeking to place a historic marker there, I had to go to the county commissioners, go to a judge, you know, talk to the community, talk to the museum folks there, talk to the federal people there through the National Park Service before that marker could be placed at the Knox County Courthouse. Then there was some going back and forth about the wording on the marker. So I had to deal with the historical bureau, you know, <laughs> deal with historians to get that marker done. And then, of course, come up with the money, because markers are about $3,000 each. Oh. So you have to have the money. And there are a lot of grants and mm -hmm. other uh, ways of getting support to have a marker installed. But so when I say the political side, that's what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Well, I had to go to the county commissioner meetings, you know, and watch them throw Masonic signs oh. <laughs> to say they're going to support <laughs> this effort. <laughs> now, when you say pushback, is that normal just in general that there's always this kind of like you have to deal with the word and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. I or mean, is that just how it goes? Or is it even more cumbersome when you're talking about African-American Well, I, you know, I believe that it could be more cumbersome when you're talking about African-American heritage. Because sometimes there is history being recalled that people don't want recalled. Mm. For example, right today in uh, Indiana community that I won't name right now, <laughs> there has been an effort by the local people to place a marker remembering a uh, lynching that occurred there at the courthouse. Well, in that particular case, the people of that community, you know, do not want yeah. that marker there in front of their courthouse during a period when they're trying to do some redevelopment and building. That's embarrassing. That's, that's, that's a part of history they would rather forget. However, you know, unless we do remember the collective of history, we won't ever move on and progress. So... Um, that's an example. So this, this particular group, you know, has gone through all the channels and now they're trying to figure out where they're going to put this marker other than where this incident occurred, which was at the county courthouse in that community. That's interesting because we often hear, well, I didn't do it. You know, I, I, it doesn't affect me. I'm not embarrassed by it. But yet people are when they want to preserve uh, the facade of a good-looking community um, they don't want that's interesting that's very interesting but we must tell the full story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know there there cannot be progress without recalling all of the good the bad the ugly and the wonderful and great so um, we, we have to get over that and so you're kind of already kind of segwaying into the importance of stories why is that so important for especially the black community in Indiana? Well, you know, we, we have to tell the stories that reflect our very complex and difficult past that will help us then shape a better understanding, a better collective future. Um, though America may be rich in diverse history, our society has often uh, been poor in representing the history and in funding its protection and its conservation and recognition. So that's why, you know, we, we need to be very intentional about uh, recognizing that history. Um, so here, for example, in Indiana, uh, most people will know the history of Indiana Avenue and what happened there mm -hmm. um, from the late 60s forward. 
Currently, there only stands the Madeline Walker Urban Life Center Theater and another building on the point, which is now the Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library. There is no other evidence that that was a historically black, vibrant community. Mm -hmm. So uh, that history, generation after generation, is being lost. So my grandchildren don't know that we had an area where there were entrepreneurs, there was entertainment, there was civic engagement, there were schools, there were churches, all kind of recreational things to do. They, they don't know that because there's no evidence of that. And it's not going to be taught in school, you know. So what, how do you know about that heritage and that history? And then when people who are not African American understand that, that history, that heritage, there is a different respect for a people when it is clear the contributions they have made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is definitely something that um, maybe doesn't happen enough in the state that you, is you don't realize that people have contributed to this state. Right. That it's just not, we aren't just here and appeared and just take, take, take. Right. We've right. contributed as well. Absolutely. Here's another example. Uh, I'm working with this group now, the Norwood community. The Norwood community is on the south side of Indianapolis. It's near Barrington and just east of Fountain Square. Now, the Norwood community was settled in the 1870s by uh, veterans of the Civil War, black veterans who were part of the United States Colored Troops, 28th Regiment. And when they returned to Indianapolis, which was a, um, a, a base for them in their departure to front lines of service, they came back to Indianapolis, even though they may not have been from here. They may have been from Kentucky or Ohio or wherever, but they came back to Indianapolis. And so instead of moving on, they, they farmed that community. And that community stayed intact as, a, as an independent town, not a part of Indianapolis until in the 1930s, I believe. Wow. And so they've been able to maintain a lot of their, their ownership of property. Uh, it was only until the uh, city uh, began doing some development there, including the development of the new criminal justice center, that that history began to be exposed and shared. And so another resident of that area was Mr. Hardrick, who was a famous, famous black artist. And uh, there was a proposal to place the, the, the coroner's new headquarters on his, on the land that he had this, you know, wonderful life of, of artistry. Mm -hmm. And so the community was able to get the city to reconsider that, mm -hmm. which has led now to the city um, launching a cultural equity plan. And in this cultural equity plan with which Indiana Landmarks will be working, uh, the historic black communities are going to be identified on their GIS system so that when planners or developers or even city officials are, are um, looking at uh, development in those areas, they know where the historic areas are. It would be like, for example, um, I don't know, General Motors deciding they're going to build a factory over in Lockerbie. Mm -hmm. And so let that set mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be no way that would happen because it's clear that Lockerbie is a historic area. It's mm -hmm. residential. You know, it, it, there's no way that would happen. So that would, that's the same kind of uh, challenge that uh, black communities face. 
that you're going to build, you know, these kind of institutions that really don't say a lot of positive things to the black community. For example, the Criminal Justice Center. In our community, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, though, so many communities are not as organized as Norwood has become uh, to stop that kind of encroachment on their heritage. And this is something that's not unique to Indianapolis or to Indiana. It, it, this is happening all over the country. The thing about Indiana and what we're trying to do here at Indiana Landmarks is to become a model for the country in how to uh, recognize, respect, and preserve black heritage. Okay. It sounds difficult. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, particularly with the brand new startup program, fortunately, the Landmarks um, is divided into nine regions around the state. So we cover the entire state. And while I'm a one-man band as the new director, I have a crew that will be there to okay. help. But that's not enough because not only are they looking at helping me preserve black heritage and sites, they also have to preserve all heritage and mm -hmm. sites, so they're going to mm -hmm. be pulled in a lot of directions. I am hoping to, to muster a team of volunteers, people who are historians, researchers, grant writers, um, people who know the value of preserving our history to help me. And I've just been really happy that there are people who are coming now from different areas wanting to help. So my challenge is going to be to organize that help. Okay. <laughs> you know, and to give them plenty to do. And so that's that's what I'm working on now. How do you structure that? How do you organize that? How do you raise more money? Um, we had a wonderful $5 million uh, grant, $4 million of which is to endow the program, so we can't spend that money. But uh, the additional million is to uh, be spread out over five years. It's two hundred thousand a year. We also had uh, donors, private donors, including uh, uh, the Winstons, Robin and Charlita Winston, who gave to this program to help uh, award grants and, and low-interest loans to to in, to individuals who are working on preservation projects. That's awesome. So, and I am looking for more support in every direction, not only through volunteerism and through research, which we're going to be paying people to do this. So I don't believe in suddenly because it's black you do everything for free. If you want to <laughs> I'm, we're going to use some of that money to pay people to do the research, to do the grant writing, and to do the documentation of our history. Because that is the big issue with black history, the documentation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have found that in doing the research that I've been doing, much of the black history that has been documented has been documented by academia, you know, so otherwise non-black people documenting mm -hmm. that history, for which I'm grateful because had they not, it, it, it wouldn't be documented. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we need to uh, teach our own people how to do this. It's bigger than oral history. And, you know, I found that a lot of us want to pass on the stories, but not write them down. So why do you think we need to document it? Why is that important? Well, like my sister says, if it ain't in writing, it ain't. <laughs> 
I keep that with me because it's so true. It needs to be in writing. Because these documents, these written histories then, can be taken to places like the Indiana Historical Bureau to start the process, to get a marker. It can, those, that document can be taken to Indiana Humanities along with an application for programming grants and so forth. It can be taken here to, to Landmarks because we need that document too. So that then the next step could be the planning and then, you know, the actual development of whatever site or restoration of whatever mm -hmm. site mm -hmm. or heritage that, you know, is being um, uh, pro promoted and suggested, nominated for preservation. Okay. So I liken what you're doing. In my mind, I was saw a movie in my head. <laughs> I saw a movie out in the desert digging, an archaeological dig. <laughs> Um, you can see, I watch a lot of movies with archaeological digs, it seemed like. Um, <laughs> You're an investigator. <laughs> That's the first thing blood. that came into my head. <laughs> journalism blood. Got to find out. Put that puzzle together. <laughs> and so you're not actually digging up artifacts, tangible artifacts that you hold. You're digging up the past, which still... Um, it's, you said it was heritage. You said you're looking for heritage. Can you explain what you mean, how you find heritage, why that's important? And we talked a little bit about how difficult it is, but if you can go into delve a little deeper into just the difficulty. So, again, that's what heritage is, how you find it, why it's important, and just how challenging it can be. Well, to find. <laughs> well, well, heritage is the evidence of your existence. Um, heritage is is how you how you moved in life, what you contributed to life, uh, where you contributed it. Uh, it's it's the the Roberts settlement, where that's up in Noblesville area, mm -hmm. where that community did farming and had uh, religious life and social and political life. Uh, they were involved politically in that area. It's like Laos Station down in the southern part of the state, where there's a school or a church and a, a vibrant community where people who uh, were escaping slavery had a place that uh, surrounded them with support and love. You know, it is the beach settlement. And I can go on. There are at least 40 settlements that we know about that existed throughout Indiana from the earliest beginnings of Indiana, even prior to the time it was a state. Um, for example, in, in, in Knox County, where my own family is from, Vincennes, Indiana, there were, there were three or four different settlement areas. There's no evidence of them. I remember being there, for example, oh, 15 years ago, going door to door trying to find black people who still live there. And there were none. Um, mm. But the evidence of their existence is the Second Baptist Church. I remember knocking on one door and a little lady said, well, honey, no black people have lived around here. <laughs> and so I said to the lady, I said, why do you think there's a Second Baptist Church right down the street? That's the evidence of the heritage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, get, do you allow that to deteriorate and to be knocked down and then there is no more evidence? Or do you try to preserve it and tell the stories of the people, the community, the struggle, the resilience, the survival? of those people, what they're doing now. And, um, you know, yes, it's very hard to uncover, but it's not impossible. Um, I do have some cemetery shoes. 
that I'm going to be putting on <laughs> going down to the national forest down in the southern part of the state. And back in those bushes under overgrowth and weeds, there are cemeteries of black people who lived in those communities. But those, those cemeteries have been overgrown. Um, there are movements around the country of people who are wanting to to restore those cemeteries, because in restoring those cemeteries, you're restoring a chunk of the past. You then have names, and you're going to look those people up to see what their contributions were in those communities. And they have such crazy kind of campaigns. Oh, Shia, for example, this <laughs> one city has the this campaign called Get Your Ass Fought Off of My People. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're referring to, you know, a cemetery that has been paved over mm-hmm. with the people underneath them. Mm-hmm. And this this is not uncommon. Uh, and if no yeah. one says anything, no one does anything, it's a done deal. Well, and you, you said a couple things. But one, the first thing you said was Heritage is the, what did you say, it's the, the that you existed well, it's evidence. It's evidence of yeah, your existence. It's evidence of that your was and contribution. And contribution. That yeah. right there was profound. It's evidence of your existence and contribution. Yes. That means I matter. That's it matter. You matter to you, and, and you I matter, also to, matter other to the wider community. And you don't often think that you matter to people sometimes as you're moving through life. Right. I think that's a big issue with our youth today. Uh, they don't know who they are or where they came from. They don't feel they matter. They That's don't profound. know their history, um, and so they feel like, you know, since nobody cares and it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. And so not understand their place way. in history, not understand that 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years from now, someone may talk about you still. Yes. You still have, you still exist. Yes. Um, yes. That's profound. That's yes. very profound. And and you said when you knocked on the lady's door, she said there are no black people ever lived here. And you said, well, how do you think you have the Second Baptist Church? How did you know Second Baptist Church meant black people? For research. <laughs> okay, okay. For research. And that's where the researchers come in. I, I had been doing research in that area since in my early 20s. Okay. Um, and so I knew that, that I knew the, the history of that church. And there was a second church right down the street from it. It was the Bethel AME Church of Vincennes, Indiana. But because there's no one there preserving that history and lifting that history up, Indianapolis kind of took over the, the the title of Mother Bethel. And so okay. even Mother Bethel on West Street uh, was, you know, threatened with extinction. And it has closed. It is now condos. But Indiana Landmarks was able to save the facade. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, was able to save the facade so that there is some evidence that that was a church and that it okay. did exist. But it was about to be demolished and new, new condos put up. So wow. that, that's an act of preservation that Indiana Landmarks was involved in. Wow. And there's so many others that are going on, um, but it takes the community to, to, to um, champion, champion and shepherd these projects. You know, we can go into a community like, for example, Riverside and say, well, we think you should do this and that and the other. It does not so much matter what we think. It's what mm-hmm. the community thinks. The community thinks. thinks and and then our job is to support that community in doing what they think should be done. 
there's um, preservation efforts going on all around that uh, landmarks uh, Black Heritage Preservation Program, the the old one before it became named this, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, that the Indiana Landmarks has supported just this past year. Um, significant grants were given to Lyle Station, to Roberts Chapel up in Noblesville, to uh, Saint um, Augustine's um, Episcopal Church in Gary to the Stewart Lawn Cemetery in Vigo County. And I do believe that Stewart uh, Lawn Cemetery is connected to the George P. Stewart family. Wow. Who, who came from Vigo, from Terre Haute. Really? After they lived in Vincennes. They lived first in Vincennes after coming from West Virginia, North Carolina, then to Terre Haute, Vigo, then to Indianapolis. So this cemetery with their last name um, is getting some work. In fact, $14,000 went to them just to replace the fence surrounding the cemetery and then resurface the road that leads to the property. You know, so often our cemeteries are back in the woods, down, mm-hmm. you know, around the mm-hmm. corner and down and up back in the bushes someplace. So they're building a road to lead to that cemetery and putting fencing around it. The fencing helps uh, protect it from you know, defacement, uh, because, you know, there are a lot of times there are little knothead kids who go into cemeteries <laughs> and do stuff to the cemeteries, you know, knock over the headstones or whatever, leave liquor bottles, you know, just mm-hmm, have a great mm-hmm. time in a cemetery. So that should help do some of that. And then right here in Indianapolis, uh, the Allen uh, Chapels AME Church, which is over on 11th and Park, I believe, received a $17,000 grant to repoint their masonry in the church. And Allen Chapel is a, is a very famous mm-hmm. historic black church in Indianapolis. Inside Allen Chapel is a mural that was drawn by Hardrick. Hardrick is the black artist I told mm-hmm. you about from Norwood. Norwood. Mm-hmm. Now, he also uh, presented a mural, did a picture for Christmas Addicts High School. But the, the administration at the time thought that his particular illustration was not fitting of Christmas addicts because it depicted farm laboring black people mm. and Christmas addicts wanted to be known as a school, you know, an academic body that we're training professionals and craftsmen, not farmers and laborers. And so there was no this Booker big T. Washington then. stuff there. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> now you're right, <laughs> right. That's exactly what it was because it was during that era. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but you know, he has uh, work that is that is p- periodically on exhibit at uh, the State Museum and at Newfields. And so, you know, and he's had exhibits around the world of his work. Wow. So, if you have any Hardrick stuff, hang on to it because it's just growing and growing in value. Wow. I tell you my big dream. Okay, tell me. This your big is my dream. big dream here. I think my boss thinks he chuckles when I say this, which I should know too that this program um, is the brainchild of Marsh Davis, who is the CEO for Indiana Landmarks. Okay, Marsh uh, has been wanting to do this and finally got partnerships with Lilly Endowment and the National Trust to get the ball rolling. He is from here, but he lived in Galveston, Texas, where he saw this kind of work start. Mm-hmm. So when he returned here, he's you know always wanted to do this. So this is his baby too. So I have his you know 100% support and getting things that I need to get done. So he just had to keep up with me though. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> 
you know, I, my big dream is to create a statewide Indiana Black Heritage Museum and Archive. Wow. And that is my dream. Uh, there, it, There's possibility after possibility for doing it. A lot of people say, oh, no, that's dreaming too big. But it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, we need the archive so desperately because so many people have our history in their garages mm-hmm. and in, on, in boxes under their beds. And these people are great, wonderful community historians or family historians who I love this work and they protect it. But when they pass, you know what family members often will do to that kind of stuff when they don't understand its importance. It goes into the trash. So if we had a way to collect that kind of history that documents our existence and our heritage, uh, it would be a wonderful thing. Now, I know the Christmas Addicts Museum is doing some of that. Uh, They're needing support to do it. Plus, that uh, museum is connected to IPS, and it's predominantly focused on Christmas Addicts, which is wonderful. But we need a statewide uh, physical place, a museum, that we can all be proud of, that will be a spot of educating and enlightening. Uh, right here, I see it in Indianapolis, the capital of the state. Well, that is my ready. dream. That's my dream. Get ready. So anyone out there who wants to say, Eunice, I'm, I'm going to jump on your dream boat, and we're going to do this. I I'm need say, you. get ready, because there might be some people jumping on, ready to jump on board. I want them, I need them. There might be some people have stuff in their garages and they're just been waiting to figure out what to do with them. Well, you know what? I don't know what to do with them right now either because I bet they won't be allowed to bring it to Indiana Landmarks and store it. So the question is, where do we put it? And that is a big issue. Now, the Indiana Historical Society, of course, takes collections of significant people, uh, but they're also dealing with that issue of archiving it because there's one person, Susan, Hall yes. Dotson, who's mm-hmm. who you know is doing this work now, at the State Museum you have Keisha Tandy who takes things, one man band, doing you know, and then the storage issue and all this other stuff that goes into figure out what do you where do you put boxes and boxes of stuff people bring you, or even the artifacts, and there are many artifacts out there. For example, old slave chains, you know, and you know just wow. documents and clothing and. You know, what do you do with that green book that your great-grandmother had in her drawer all these years? Who do you give it to to preserve? That green book that showed places black people could and could not go to, particularly the coulds. These are the places you can go to across the country as you travel, particularly down south. So, um, you know, that archive to me is very necessary. And it is a huge way. And the one last way I want to tell you about, you know, my, you got me going, though, she is. Okay. My mouth like a, is a machine gun trying to get it all out, get it in. Get it out. Get it out and get it in. Here's this other thing that I really am looking into now. And I am going to be hopefully working with IUPUI and Ball State on this. And that is augmented reality. In augmented reality, you get to use your telephone or some special glasses to see things that don't exist except in an augmented reality world. So like virtual reality, mm-hmm. but you will take your phone, for example, down to Indiana Avenue. You'll, hold, you'll go to your application, you'll hold it up, and you'll be able to pan your phone around the area and see all the things that used to be there, the people and hear oh, the music. Awesome. 
And it's, this is a real, really progressing technology that I think we can get a part of. Uh, I was I told that IUPUI kids are doing things with it, and so are Ball State kids. The, and then here's another um, part of the augmented reality. You can, you can put your phone on a QR code that might be you know, based at a particular site, say Norwood, and then you could then uh, go to the site that the QR code uh, is connected to and see the soldiers coming home from the Civil War wow, where they're cool. moving into that's their cool. homes and so forth. So it's a way, it is just one of many, many ways to uh, preserve and recognize our heritage. And also make it come to life. And I mean, make it in come ways to that life. you couldn't do in the past. Exactly. And that's one of my goals to to do an experiment with some of that. And you know, this is being done already uh, at the Equal Justice Initiative Museum down mm -hmm. in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm -hmm. They have a fabulous museum that I just encourage people to go to. Why why can't Indianapolis have a museum that would be real similar to that? We well, have our history is equivalent to that. Uh, and but and I think know, people don't know our history is equivalent to that. I think therein lies part of the problem is we don't know that. We don't know it. Yeah. We don't know it. Yeah, we don't know we that. Don't know so it. now that we do, thanks to you, well, now what are we going to do about well, it? Well, it's going to be thanks to a whole <laughs> bunch of people besides me. You know, well, you're helping to lead the charge. And I did say helping because I know there are many people leading the charge yeah, for this. But yeah, yeah, there are. In this there program... It definitely you are helping to lead the charge in this program well I am going to give it my best shot and I am just going to be all I say to people is don't tell me you're going to volunteer because I will be calling you. yes I'm sure you will <laughs> you tell me you're going to volunteer I'm, you will be called yeah so I know you just started this in September beginning of this month the beginning of September um, but I know you've been doing this for a while can you quickly kind of tell me some interesting things you discovered here recently? Well, you know, just in my own history, you know, the, the research that I did on my own great-great-great-grandmother is indicative of the lack of our history being incorporated into the mainstream history. So, you know, black history is Indiana history, is American history. And in the case of my own grandmother, great-great-great-great-grandmother, she filed a lawsuit that went to the state Supreme Court that ended indentured servitude in Indiana in 1821, and really didn't even stop after that, continued through the 1830s. But we've always been taught that Indiana was a free state because we were north of the Mason-Dixon line. Uh, however, slavery was practiced here. So that gives us a whole different wrinkle, so to speak, in terms of what our own history is. You know, we've looked at ourselves as up north, the snobbies looking down on the <laughs> terrible south. Well, we were the south, mm -hmm. and we remain a red state today. So, you know, th that's an example of, of what doing the research can uncover. Uh, history that's been there, uh, her lawsuit, even before I did any research, was placed at the Indiana State Archives in a safe. And it has been in the hands of the state for generations. Wow. I didn't know it until I did the research. Wow. I got to touch it, see it, feel it, you know. But there's so much more of that kind of history. When I left the recorder, before I left the recorder, here's an interesting story. There, when the recorder moved off the avenue to its present location, um, you know, I kind of went in 
to do some cleanup work and rearranging and organizing. And I, there was a trunk in that shed that's in the back of the building. And in that trunk were all kind of artifacts from George P. Stewart and paperwork and uh, stock certificates of organizations of African-American people in Indiana back in the early 20th century, the 19-teens and 20s. Wow. And you, there, these men at that time had formed all these different entities, corporate entities, that would lift up our community. Uh, for example, they had the, the, the Business League, and this league was for the purpose of lifting up each other's business enterprises, you know, doing funding and financing and educating, you know, just sort of like what we're still doing mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. <laughs> through the organizations that we have. But that shows our history. You know, if we don't know where we come from, we're going to just stay stagnated all the time. So had we done some research, and that been popularly known history, you know, when we formed our business development corporations, and, you know, today, then maybe we would know what to do, what not to do, based on what was historically done and not done, and the results of it. Because you, you're gonna, you do the same thing, you get the same results, right? So, amen. <laughs> you, you better know your history so you won't continue to have the same results. So, how can people help you share the history of African Americans in Indiana? Well, I am looking for people who are researchers who can research it. I'm looking for writers. I'm looking for grant writers. There are lots of pots of money out there for these groups. Uh, and these groups need the expertise and the help. I'm looking for event volunteers. You know, I'm looking for people who can, you know, give me advice on uh, what directions to take. You know, I, I'm right now on my own, so to speak, along with our IT guy here, researching project management software that's, you know, kissable. <laughs> you know, keep it stupid, keep it simple, stupidable. So, you know, I don't want to try to learn technology like that. I'm too busy. So, you know, I, and he was able to help me do that. I'm looking for um, people who want to help with development. Uh, we have $200,000 a year to spend. And I know that that money could go with one project that, you know, would be significant mm-hmm. development work. Mm-hmm. So I need to determine how to spread that 200000 out over many areas as support or matching funds. Uh, but if we had $2 million in that fund... <laughs> That would start making a big dent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be meeting with um, um, some of the CDC CEOs, trying to help them form a, consor- a consortium of the black female CEO, CDC operators, who um, will have the historically black uh, neighborhoods in their, commu- in their districts that are all going through the same thing. What's going on in Riverside is going on in Norwood, is going on in the Martindale Brightwood area, it's going on, you know, the Fall Creek area, the, you know, it's going on all over. So these women CDC CEOs need to learn on the front end of this thing that we're dealing with here, the ways that they can protect their community. So I'm gonna be, you know, needing advice from all kind of people. Right now I'm trying to get the city to be willing to come and to tell these uh, CEOs what they can do 
to preserve and protect these communities. And there are a lot of tools out there, I've learned. You know, there are covenants, there are trusts, there are easements, there are all kind of other things that could be done to protect these communities. And these things haven't been necessarily done very much in the past. And should people, how should people reach you? Well, they can, they can call me, you know, on the telephone here at Landmarks. Um, they can email me, etrotter at indianalandmarks.org. Uh, they can come down and holler at me here at 1201 Central, and I'll come down all these steps of this beautiful building <laughs> to see them. You know, I, I just want to be very accessible. Uh, so call me. We're, we're going to have a, a, a launch event at the end of October. And so I'm going to be repeating all these things that, and ways people can contribute. So for those who might not be able to make it to the launch event, I would just encourage you to just really look in your own histories and start at home documenting your own histories. And in that process, you're going to discover some greatness every family has, mm -hmm. black, white, brown, red, yellow, whatever. Every family has greatness in their family that needs to be documented. And then when you find a family member that has had a public impact, be they an inventor or community organizer or church pastor, whatever, just, just let me know. And then I'll help them take it from there. What do you want people to know about the Black Heritage Preservation Program and contributions of Black Hoosiers to Indiana history? Well, I, you know, I want people to know that the contributions of Black Hoosiers has been significant. That's number one. But then I also want um, Hoosiers to know the value of this heritage. Uh, whenever there is a preservation effort, it will stimulate economic development. It is a huge driver of, of restoration of communities that are ailing, and um, it generates millions, billions of dollars worth of economic return. That is so important to not just the African-American community, but the entire city, state uh, of Indiana. Well, Eunice, thank you so, so much for, I'm so um, happy about your new position and the great things that will happen in Indiana for a black heritage. Well, so thank you for well, your thank time. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, Oshia. On our next episode, we'll talk to Nichelle M. Hayes, interim CEO of Indianapolis Public Library. We'll learn all about what's happening at our public library. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.